Some of the children go back. You'll be turning to Romans chapter 15 this morning. Romans chapter 15. I hope you've been blessed by the journey of preaching through the book of Romans. We are headed for the last two chapters. Lord willing, we'll go through chapter 15 today and finish up with chapter 16 next Sunday. Certainly, uh, preaching a chapter a week does not give full justice to any one of these chapters, but I have enjoyed preaching what God has particularly put on my heart each week as I've sought Him on your behalf and on my behalf as well, what, what, we, needed, what we need to hear. And that the Holy Spirit will work in our hearts and, and just give us what we need when we need it. I hope that the focus of the book of Romans has also served as a source of teaching and helpful study for each of us personally. There have been some who have been reading ahead in anticipation of what will be preached on the coming Sunday. I think that's a great thing to do. It's a good way to even get further grounded in God's Word. So I encourage you again, though, to get to know the book of Romans and the book of John very well. These are great resources to teach people about their need for salvation and the way of salvation. I think it's a good idea for you also, if, if you're into this, I, I encourage this, because uh, I look back, I, sometimes you know you write notes in your Bible, I find those very helpful, like sometimes I'll go back and, you know, something I thought maybe, I didn't... I thought of back then, but I really haven't thought about it, but I go back to it and, and it becomes fresh and, and new. I, it's kind of interesting. I don't know if you have that uh, in, in your life, Brother Mike, as you go back and, and look. and It's just interesting to have some notes in your Bible. Now, some people don't like to write in them, and that's fine, uh, but maybe you ought to have a different, um, different paper to, to begin to outline, to begin to, to study, to keep notes together. Now again, there's no magic outline of every book. I find a variety of outlines from various what I would call sound preachers, but the very best outline is this, the one you make. Whether borrowed from someone or homemade from yourself, make sure it is the one that resonates with you, okay? That's the purpose, that man, it gets a hold of you, you've got a hold of it. And I hope that through Romans you've gotten to know the Apostle Paul a little better. You know, Paul wrote about half the books of the New Testament. And with that being said, when you're considering doctrine, you'll be able to be confident that there is a consistency with Paul. You might call it looking at Paul's writing within the context consistency of Paul. He's not going to say one thing and something totally opposite over here. He may say it differently, but they go together, and that will help pull the Word of God together for you. Now, as we close in on the last two chapters, you'll see a sort of, uh, what I would call a deceleration to an ending of the letter to the church at Rome. Uh, the 15th chapter is somewhat a continuation of chapter 14. Now, last week's message outline was conviction, conscience, and consideration. We will begin chapter 15 finishing up on the thought of consideration 
Uh, and for the sake of an alliterated message outline, the middle of the chapter will speak about consolidation, that of the Jews and the Gentiles and some other things that are consolidated, that are working together. And then the chapter ends with the continuation of Paul's calling. For title's sake, we shall name the message Continuing to See, see in Romans 15. Let's pray. Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would guide, direct, would speak to our hearts today. Without the Holy Spirit, it's, there's nothing but man's words and ideas and thoughts. I pray you separate those if I should say anything that are not worthy thoughts, that, that people would, would not hang on to those, but hang on to what the Holy Spirit reveals in His Word today to them personally, Lord, and that they would respond to it in the way that you want them to respond to it, to work in our hearts, that we might be better servants for you, for you are worthy, O Lord. You are worthy. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I should pray for the kids back there. It sounds like they're getting rumbled up a little bit. All right, Romans chapter 15, beginning in verse 1. It says, We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Now I want to give you a couple more Pauline statements from other books of the Bible that state a similar message uh, that he has given to other churches. And uh, one that you find a lot with the book of Romans is a lot of similarities as he says a lot of the same things in the, to the Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 8.13, it says, Wherefore, if meat make thy brother to offend, I will eat no flesh while the world standeth. <laughs> is that an interesting, that is a strong way to, to put it. He is putting a lot of strength in this. Lest I make my brother to offend. He is not going to get in the way of his brother's relationship with the Lord. So while the world standeth. Not, he was fine with eating flesh. But if somebody else has a problem with it, just to not offend them, not to be in the way of their relationship, he, would, he wouldn't eat flesh. 1 Corinthians 10.23 says, All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. They're not the best things to do. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Not all things. Remember what we are to do is we are to edify. We are to build one another up in Christ. It says, let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. That's a nice verse just to keep in your mind, to memorize let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. We are to be servants to one another. There's no greater joy and thing in life to do that. Galatians 6.2 Bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We are to have consideration. This is continuing out of chapter 14 in that thought of considering others and how we ought to consider, how we ought to look to build each one of us up. Verse 2 says, Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good. Here's that word. 
to edification. The key word to focus on this verse is edification. Edification means to build up, or the antithesis, not to tear down. A good question to ask ourselves before we speak is, will these words build up the person? Or is it more likely to tear them down? Now we've got to watch ourselves here because sometimes we want to think one way, but it's really not true. We, we think we're going to try to help somebody, but really down deep we're just tearing into somebody. We're just giving them some blip. That's not the right thing to do. We are to build people up. Sometimes it is admonishing or correcting somebody. And sometimes it isn't a pleasant thing, but as we'll see a little later, it can only be done with love and, and in a mature, mature way. And Paul will deal with this a little bit later in this chapter. Verse 3 says, For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. This comes from Psalm 69, 9. For the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up, and the reproaches of them that reproach thee are fallen upon me. Jesus came for the purpose of bearing our sin. He came for us at his expense. Why should we think any, that we should do anything less than what he has done? Verse 4 says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. Now we are moving from consideration, the first C of the message, to consolidation. We're going to see some things consolidating or, or coming together. We begin to see that there's a consolidation, and I've already heard some references to this this morning, of the Old Testament with the New Testament. That the Old Testament gives value to us living in the New Testament. Brother Mike was talking about, you know, the, the, uh, Israel was, was tasked with the oracles of God, the Old Testament and holding that and talking about the church and we are to hold up uh, God's word in that same way and that through the church. But we also see where that doesn't disregard the Old Testament. It says it's written for our learning. So they are consolidated together. You might think of the Old Testament like a grandfather who's experienced many things. And though the times may be different, there's nothing new under the sun. There's a lot to gain from someone who has been there. It's interesting. You, you talk to somebody uh, older who's, who has their mind to recall some things, and, you, and you'll find these things out. Some things, they're not new. They're the same. They, they may have a different shape or form, but the battles are all the same. And they go through, and they, they have been through them, and they have gone through them, and they have felt them, and they can tell you a few things about life that will be helpful to you. The Old Testament has many things that we can learn from. Now in this particular Verse, we have something very important and particular to gain from the Old Testament. It says patience. 
that we're going to gain from the Old Testament. James 5.11, Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. We also see God's word that we gain from Proverbs 35. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield unto them that put their trust in Him. And then we see the word hope. Romans 5, 5, And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For whatsoever things were written aforetime, were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. We see that. We can see that all through the Old Testament. And that can, can encourage us and help us to continue on. Verse 5, Now the God of patience and consolation grants you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus, that ye may with one mind and one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Consolidation here, you can look at this as defined as unity. It's, it's also a picture of the church. Talked about that this morning. Together, shining out light. Working together for the glory of God. So let your light shine before men that they may see your good work to glorify your Father which is in heaven. And then verses 7 through 12, it says, Wherefore receive ye one another, as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision for the truth of God, to confirm the promises made unto the fathers, and that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy. As it is written, For this cause I will confess thee, to, confess thee among the Gentiles, and sing unto thy name. And again he saith, Rejoice, ye Gentiles, with his people. You're seeing a consolidation here. I hope you're catching that. And again, Praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye people. And again, Isaiah saith, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, and him shall the Gentiles trust. Paul moves from consolidating the Old and the New Testament to consolidating believers and unity in the church uh, of the brethren. And now he demonstrates the consolidation of Jews and Gentiles here. Paul backs up his preaching with four particular Old Testament scriptures that shows consolidation of the Jews and Gentiles together in thanks and praise, rejoicing and rest in the Lord our God. Psalm 18.49 Here's the, here's the four scriptures. So a good preacher, he goes back to the Word of God and he says, look at what this is saying. Psalm 18.49, Therefore will I give thanks unto thee, O Lord, among the heathen, and sing praises unto thy name. Deuteronomy 32.43 says, Rejoice, O ye nations, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and will render vengeance to his adversaries and will be merciful unto his land and to his People. This is prophecy. This is prophetic back in Deuteronomy. Uh, Brother Mike may refer to this as the second coming. This is kind of referring uh, to this as prophesying of this and all his people, Jews and Gentiles, with one voice, 
O ye nations, with His people, rejoice. Psalm 117.1 says, O praise the Lord, all ye nations. Praise Him, all ye people. And then Isaiah 11.10, And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand for an ensign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. Paul goes back to the Old Testament, goes back to the Scriptures, just like any preacher should go back to the Word of God and say, this is what it says. They didn't have what we have today in the New Testament. That was being formed at that time. But they could go back to the, what God said. This is what God said. Let's go back and let's look at this. And he's saying, hey, we're, we're all going to come together. It probably was a problem. I'm sure there was. You could see it. And probably the Jews and the Gentiles and a little banging back and forth. And he's saying, hey, this is the church at Rome. Probably more Gentile than Jews, but they were probably mixed together. Was there supposed to be the Jewish church and the Gentile church? And, and, and we kind of see that today. And we, we have issues. And we have issues of working together uh, with people for the glory of God. And he's, he's straightening this out. Hey, the Gentiles and Jews, hey, we're, it's one church coming together. Verse 13 says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Here we see the power for consolidation of bringing people together. And I'll and I tell you what, you, it could be families, it could be churches, it could be all sorts of relationships that should come together. The power of consolidation is by the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit or the Comforter or other names that are uh, given for the Holy Spirit. You know why people, churches, religions have different views on Scriptures? Do you know why there are divisions between men, churches, and religions? Because when men interpret the Scriptures, they interpret it as men see it. It leads to dissension, separation, disunity. But when the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth, <laughs> I just tell you, sometimes I have to wait for the Holy Spirit to reveal stuff to me. There's stuff I, I don't understand. <laughs> but unless the Holy Spirit reveals it to me, it's, I'll tell you, that is bad ground to be on. There is only one interpretation by the Holy Spirit. That's God's interpretation. If we all get that right, we will be in unity. All this is proven is we have a lot of disunity. We have a lot of wrong thinking. Said so I'm concerned, and we ought to be concerned about our own wrong thinking. You know, I just, I just have to say that you know, one day in heaven, I think I'm going to get corrected about a few things. I hope to dig those out as much as I can. By the grace of God. Unity is by the power of the Holy Spirit. What's going to change your life is God's Word and God's Holy Spirit revealing it to you. Without both of those, nothing happens. Verse 14, And I myself also am persuaded of you, my brethren, that ye are full of goodness, Filled with all knowledge, able also to admonish one another. Now I'm just going to warn you, I'm going off on a rant here. Felt like the Lord just kind of sent me off in a little rant. 
Here Paul gives an amazing statement to these believers. He commends them as to their maturity in Christ. That they could say things that may be negative in nature to the end of edification. We ought to take a little break here, or as the Bible says, a little bit of a sila, and ask the question, are you admonishable? We live in a world where people are oversensitive, easily offended. We're not to be easily offended. I was listening to mom doing an email, and I hear Abby telling her about that email, that you can't send that email unless you put some kind of love emoji. You've got to put those on there, or could, could be mistaken. I mean, my goodness. We gotta use emojis now to communicate, or somebody's gonna get their feelings hurt. It ought to be that we give the people the benefit of the doubt that we think they wouldn't say this. Let them prove it otherwise. Let's let's give them the benefit that they're saying these things in the right way. You know, people we can lack tact in how we say things the one who's maybe admonishing us. But do we throw away the message because of the messenger? People want to love them. They say just the way they are. Let me tell you something. Jesus did come to save, didn't come to save us and to keep us the way we are. He saved us to change us, which means a lot of correction, a lot of admonishment, a lot of, a lot of difficult things to break us down to change us. He didn't save us and throw a new coat of paint on us. He is tearing us down to build us back up. You've seen the shows. I know you've seen them where they are remodeling the old house. And what is the first scene? Demolishing that wall with the sledgehammer. You know? But remember the idea of destruction is to make room for construction. Spiritually speaking, admonishment is the first step for edification to build, build us back up. You may think we can just stay the way you are, but you will not stay the way you are. You will grow negatively or positively, depending on how you receive admonishment. Without reproof, rebuke, and exhortation, we will turn to the belief of lies in this world is ready to fill you up with a bunch of lies. What's an example of this? Just look to Hollywood or professional sports. They are full of people who really believe they are something and peddling their godless views and ways. And people are getting in line to buy it. Paul gave a charge to Timothy concerning this very thing. I charge thee in 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning of verse 1, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing in His kingdom. And you better stop there and just listen to what that says. We're going to stand before Him. We're seeing a sight of what that is. We will turn to see the voice. Yeah, and, and, and as I think about that, He says... My sheep hear my voice, not what I look like. We'll recognize his voice. 
will come with a shout. We'll look up to see the voice. What a terrible sight that can be. We've seen John fall at his feet is dead. And it reminds me, that's what, remember at the resurrection, uh, the, the guards that were there fell down as dead. Preach the word, he says. Be instant in season. Out of season. Brother Mike probably knows about the older you get, the more out of season you feel. But you keep going. <sighs> Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Brother Mike is right. This church, if it does anything, it needs to uphold. It's like the pillars holding the truth up. If not, you won't stay the same. You're going one way or the other. You're going to either turn to lies or you're going to turn to the truth. Now moving along in the chapter, we move from consideration to consolidation. And now we enter into the last point of the message, continuation. The continuation of the apostles Paul, Apostle Paul's call of God upon his life. Verse 15, Nevertheless, brethren, I have written the more boldly unto you in some sort as putting you in mind because of the grace that is given to me of God, that I should be the minister of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, ministering the gospel of God, that the offering up of the Gentiles might be acceptable, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Paul is doing something very wise here. I hope you see it. He places himself as the as a very simply as an authorized messenger sent by God to give the message of God that the receivers might receive and respond accordingly to the message of God. Paul said something similar to the church at Corinth. He says, And I, brethren, when I came unto you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness, <laughs> and in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now after Paul identifies himself appropriately, he declares himself, listen to this, once you get yourself where you are, that is a place where now you can become confident. That, that, that is where confidence is at, is because we realize really who we are. We realize who He is. We realize where the power is. And then we can confidently go at our calling, boldly preaching and teaching Christ. Verses 17 and, and on, it says, I have, I, I have therefore whereof I may glory through Jesus Christ and those things which pertain to God. For I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ hath not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God so that from Jerusalem and round about unto Illyricum I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Paul is an example of confidence 
conscience, and consideration. Those are the three points in chapter 14. This is in following the will of God for his life. He adds to that sentiment here in verses 20 and 21. Yea, so have I strived to preach the gospel, not where Christ was named, lest I should build upon another man's foundation. There was others who were doing, this is the work he was called into. He knows it. He's confidently going after it. He doesn't need to go over the top of anybody else's work. He has a work to do. God's directed him. But as it is written to whom he was not spoken of, they shall see, and they that have not heard shall understand. Paul now talks about his intents in continuing his mission. Verse 22, For which cause also I have been much hindered from coming to you. Paul is motivated. Motivated people... Though they shouldn't because God's in it, but we get aggravated with setbacks. You deal in that, don't you, brother? <laughs> Over there working on that house and it just setback after setback after setback. But he has a goal, you know? So you know what those people do? They get aggravated! <laughs> now Paul holds himself here, but he's you're seeing this in him. He's... He has a goal, and he's not letting hindrance, though, keep him from the goal. How about you? How about this church? How about your family? Verse 23, But now having no more place in these parts, and having a great desire these many years to come unto you. Paul is a planner. For years, it says. Listen, years. He has plans to go to Rome, and for now, he will have to do it. He's going to do it. By letter. I can't get there, but I'll write it and get it to you. Paul has a tenacity to do God's will. Years of inability is not stopping him from what God has called him to do. He's sure of it. He's confident of it. He's confident that God will do it. He knows where his position is. And he's just going to do everything he can do. Verse 24, Whensoever I take my journey into Spain, I will come to you, for I trust to see you in my journey, and to be brought on my way thitherward by you, if first I be somewhat filled with your company. Paul has a new plan. Plan B, hey. Plan A isn't, hasn't worked. I'm going to plan B. There's no canceling of the plan, only a new plan. He will not give up. His plan is as follows, verses 25 and 26. But now I go into Jerusalem to minister unto the saints, for it has pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution for the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. You know, Paul once went to Jerusalem to persecute Christians. Now he has the honor to take aid to those who are persecuted at Jerusalem. He wanted to do that personally. Maybe it was because he knew what he did before. And he wants to give his life for him. How about you? Verse 27, And have pleased them verily, and their debtors they are. For if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their, their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things. He's bringing the Jews and Gentiles together here again. He's, there's some consolidation here in, in how we're to continue. 
As he continues, he makes sure the Jews and the Gentiles work together as a unit, that there's an appreciation and an application of appreciation. Jews and Gentiles working and ministering together here. Verse 28 and 29, When therefore I have performed this and have sealed to them this fruit, I will come by you into Spain. And I am sure that when I am come unto you, I shall come in the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Christ. Paul's plan B, minister by letter to Rome, go and deliver aid to Jerusalem, head to Spain from there, and on his way, stop and visit the church at Rome. Paul is concerned, though, of a potential hitch of his plan. Of his plan to visit the church at Rome, which he has a longing in his heart to do. And he asks the church to pray with him concerning the danger that he may encounter in Jerusalem. He says, Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake. <laughs> Listen, for the Lord Jesus Christ, Man, he is asking for some prayer here. He's bringing up the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me that I may be delivered from them that do not believe in Judea, that my service which I have for Jerusalem may be accepted of the saints, that I may come unto you with joy by the will of God and may with you be refreshed. Now the God of peace be with you all. Amen. What Paul is saying here to him is pray. Pray that I can get the goods to the needy saints at Jerusalem, get out of there safely, and return to see you. This is no easy thing he knows. It's happening. Well, how did it all work out? <laughs> well, we have the completed book, so we can see. His prayer was answered. His life was spared. The church at Jerusalem received the gift. He did come to Rome with joy, in spite of the fact he spent two years in jail at Caesarea, shipwrecked on the way, and arrived at Rome in chains. Yet in all that, Paul still had joy. Did Paul complete his calling? Near the end of his life, he wrote to Timothy. The first part we recently read, we're going to go into the second part of this. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all suffering and doctrine. For the time will come. And this is Paul near the end of his life to Timothy. When they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust, they shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered. And the time of my departure is at hand. And here's the confidence. <laughs> Wow, look at the confidence he has put here. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. Chapter 15, Paul finishes what he ends up with in chapters 14 
the thought of consideration, to live a life sacrificed for others. A life of consolidation, to work together in unity for the gospel's sake. Of continuance. We see the example of Paul who served with conviction and clear conscience and in consideration of others. With heads bowed and eyes closed, pianists coming to play. How has God spoke to you this morning? What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? Maybe it's, I just need to get saved. Maybe that's what needs to happen. Maybe you need to be renewed back in the, in the Spirit of God and, the, and to go for God. Can we say at the end of our lives like Paul could, that we fought a good fight? <laughs> Fighting to get the Gospel out? Fighting against our flesh that wants its ease in this life? A life that wants to keep back finances for our own pleasures? A life that cowers at conflict and keeps us from standing for the truth? Can we say that we are fighting the good fight? Can we say we have finished our course? Can you even say that I know what my course is? Are you submitted to God's will for your life? No matter what, no matter where, and no matter how. Are you fighting or are you fighting God's will? Finally, Paul said, I have kept the faith. Paul served by faith. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. Knowing that living for God is worth it all. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence. Daily live. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. Amen. Thank you for your attention. I pray the Word of God has, uh, the Holy Spirit of God is working in your life, has changed you, done whatever it needs to do to you in your life this morning. Father, thank you for everyone who's come. Pray for those who weren't able to make it. I'm thankful that most of us are able to be here today, that sickness hasn't uh, overcome us greatly. Lord, we pray for uh, the ministry of this church as we try to get the gospel out, as we tell about the wonder and, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And uh, as we do it in many different ways, individually and corporately as a church, as we pray that those tracks went out uh, uh, during the parade, that it would reach the hearts of people. And people will be drawn to you. Pray for the program that we have, that people will come that we'll get the gospel out there, and Lord, that we'll be drawn together as a church, as a shining light for you. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You are dismissed.